Good morning. Well, today's not the first Sunday of the month, it's the second Sunday, but you know what? There's no rule in the Bible. We had to take communion on the first Sunday, so we're taking it on the second Sunday. Amen. Amen. So get your elements. If you're at home and you're like, oh man, they're taking communion, well, you have a minute to get your elements together as we're getting them together in the house this morning. And remember that all you have is all you need. So it's really about the condition of your heart and that we're doing it as Jesus, you know, commanded in the Bible as a remembrance of what he was going to do. So um, it's, it's really just preparing your hearts before the Lord. So if you have a piece of bread, that's fine. You have some coffee and you're, you know, sitting at the table or in your chair and you're, you know, sipping on your coffee and you have a cracker, that's fine. Cookies, you know, got a little bit more than what we got here, but it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> we'll make, make pastor provide a whole spread next month. Right. <laughs> My kids been eating conchas in the morning, you know, so you have your concha, that's fine as well. Concha. Let's go before uh, the father in prayer as he examines our heart this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the Ability to come before you and worship you today, Lord. It's a privilege, Lord. And allow us, Lord, never to become numb to the privilege of worshiping you, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, that as we come before you today, Lord, we come as imperfect people, Lord, in need of a Savior, because if we didn't need a Savior, then Jesus didn't need to come, and we know he needed to come for all of us, Lord. If it was just me, you would have came. And I ask you, Lord, that as we come before you today, Lord, that we come, Lord, with our, our sinful nature. We are humans, Lord, that have made mistakes, have done things this week, Lord, this month, Lord, maybe this year, and, and, and maybe some of us haven't even confessed that. But I pray, Lord, right now, we don't need to go to a man, but we need to go to the Father. We need to come before you right now, and we ask you, Lord, to forgive us of our sins, forgive us of our wrongdoings, forgive us of our trespasses, Lord, and as, you, as your word says, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, Separate them as far as the east is the west to never to remember them again. And we thank you, Lord, for doing that for us. And we take this time of communion to commune with you, not as a religion, but as a relationship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In your hands, you have the elements of communion. You have the bread that represents the body of Christ. And you have a juice that represents the blood of Christ. I want to pay attention to the, the bread, if you will, and Bread represents the body that was beaten and bruised. It wasn't beaten and bruised because, you know, uh, uh, you know Jesus, Jesus just wanted to do it. He did it for a purpose, and he did it for us. He did it for us so, so we don't, you know, live in eternal death and hell. Right? There's heaven and hell. Heaven and hell is a real thing. It's a true thing. Absolutely, 100%, we believe heaven and hell is real. And Jesus did it, and he intervened on our behalf. So that way we don't need to live in, in, in internal damnation, internal hell. That we can go to heaven. And he did it by putting his body as a sacrifice, as a perfect lamb, as a perfect sacrifice without any blemish, without any sin. And he put it on his, his body on that cross and he did it for you and for us, right? One and done. We don't need to sacrifice again. We don't need to go out and, and sacrifice again. All we need to do is what? Come to the Father and ask for forgiveness because what the body of Jesus done for us. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your body that was placed upon the cross. Lord, for us, Lord, in 2021, Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you paid for the penalty of sin, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Lord, that your body, Lord, took all the beating and the bruises, Lord, so I don't have to take it, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that I may have eternal life in you, Lord, because of the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, that died upon that cross. 
Lord, we do this, Heavenly Father, in remembrance, Lord, to, to continue, Lord, to have a feeling of, of, of what you've done upon that cross for us over 2,000 years ago. And we do this, Lord, in remembrance of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. And then you have your juice that represents the blood of Christ for you. Touch on the juice. So this morning as I was preparing the elements for those of us in here, my little girl was helping me, Haley, and she's pouring the juice and she's like, is this real blood? Because it's a little bit redder today. Um, You know, and I told her, I said, Haley, no. But she asked me just in her own simplicity, you know, what it meant. And, and I had to really think about it, you know, because we can overcomplicate this. And God said, and, and so I told her, it's God's promise. It's really what it is. It's God's promise fulfilled. It's God's promise fulfilled through scripture. Amen. Because he loves us. Amen. Because without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. And I'm sharing that with us in here, but I told her, it's just God's promise. It's God's promise, and it's simple. Because of what he did on the cross, we have the promise of heaven. When we give our lives to Jesus, we have that covering, and we have that promise of heaven. So I just want to take you all back to that simplicity. It was complicated for Jesus. Sometimes it's complicated for us, but it's simple. We love him. We accept him. And we receive him. We receive the sacrifice that he did for us on the cross. Then we receive his blood and the covering over the multitude of sins that we could ever commit. They are forgiven and we are made clean. We are washed white as snow. And the best part of it is we have the promise of heaven. Jesus name we thank you Lord thank you we thank you Lord for just taking us back today we thank you Lord for the significance of what we do today Lord so that we could remember how much you love us yes and we give you the praise and glory for it forever and ever in Jesus name Amen. amen and thank you Lord we're dying upon the cross, but we thank you for rising again. We thank you that you are functioning, and, and, and as we just sung, Waymaker, you are our Waymaker. Lord, you would go before us, Heavenly Father. You will fight our battles because you are the living God. Lord, you are this, the, the God of, of, of Jacob, Isaac, Heavenly Father, Lord. You are the God of us, Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for that. For who you were is who you are, Heavenly Father, Lord. Today, forever, and always, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we do not worship a stagnant God. We don't worship a stone God. We don't worship a dead God, but we worship an alive God in 2021, Lord. And we give you the praise and the glory for it, Lord. And I pray right now, Lord, that as, as I share your message, Heavenly Father, that you will just come in, Lord, supernaturally, Heavenly Father, Lord. Minister to your children today, Heavenly Father. I thank you for your word. Allow it to come to life, Lord, to This at this particular moment, Lord. Lord, I ask you, Lord, for whoever may be hearing it right now or later, Heavenly Father, that you will intercede on their behalf right now, Lord. You'll become real. you become tangible in their lives, Lord. And we give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. Before I dive into the word, there's a couple announcements. Uh, first off, youth in the house, 730. So uh, for our youth that are in the house this morning and for the ones that are not, you know, my son is at a basketball tournament playing a championship game here in the next seven minutes at 11 o'clock, another championship hopefully for the Rautel Rebels. So um, we'll get you know, word after we get off, out, of, out of church if they want or not. But uh, you know, we will have youth here at 7.30 this Thursday, uh, Alex leading our, our, our youth group. Um, also want to thank everybody who was part of our fireworks stand. We had another record year. Didn't think, uh, you know, last year, yeah, I didn't think last year was able to be topped, but it was. It was uh, not even topped, it was shattered. And uh, even better, we were packed up, ready to go at 4 o'clock Sunday, and we actually had a little barbecue. My brother-in-law went over to my in-law's house. He brought the barbecue. We had shish kebabs, and then we let off our fireworks and had a good time with the family. And so it was an, an, an awesome uh, time knowing that we did what we came to do, sold some fireworks, you know, and uh, uh, packed up, and we were all cleaned up by 4.30. People were still asking for fireworks, and we, we had nothing left, absolutely nothing left. And so praise God for that. Yeah, um, thank you for the Ameses that were there, and Martinez's, and the other Martinez's, and, you know, the Jeffries, and my family, and the Baez, Anthony Baez, man, he's, he's our officer. He comes out there at night and makes sure that, you know, everything's tight and everything's good, and couldn't run it without Mr. Baez, and Jeremiah, and all the other ones that came in. I know um, uh, uh, Mr. Perry, um, uh, um, Jimmy, sorry, <laughs> Jimmy Perry came all the way from Indiana to spend a couple of his vacation days with us in the stand, and so he didn't, you know, he was an awesome help to us, and there's everybody that was in, involved in that, so we thank you for that. Um, and then if you want to tie into our ministry, you can by texting the word GIVE to 833-414-0165. This morning, we're going to be back in Acts chapter 19. We'll be uh, looking over that this week and then also next week and some heavy things we're going to get into um, this week a little bit, and then next week even a little heavier. This morning, my sermon is titled, Who Are You? Turn to your neighbor and say, who are you? Who are you, right? Who are you, right? In reality, we're not looking at somebody else and asking, who are you? We're really looking in the mirror and asking, who am I, right? Say, who am I? Who am I? That's a little bit better, right? Because who are you is easier to say than who am I? And if you remember last week, we looked at that, that God used Paul as an a awesome instrument, right? And we know that God can use us as his instrument for his glory. We learned this last week. If you missed it, turn back to Facebook, YouTube, whatever it may be. But we are instruments to God when we are first willing to be an instrument, right? We, really, we have to be willing to be used. If we're not willing to be used, God can't use something that's not willing to be used. We also are, need to be willing to go. We need to be willing to be bold, we need to be willing to let go, and then lastly, we must be willing to persevere. Paul had those attributes, and we can say Paul, we can say that Paul, God used Paul in a what? Very mighty way. We see that throughout Scripture. Last week, when we left off, we left off in Acts chapter 19, verse 12, and we saw that God was doing tremendous things to the life of Paul. And in, in, in Acts 12, uh, we were told that aprons or handkerchiefs that barely touched the skin of Paul, 
right? Barely touched the skin of Paul, were taking the sick people and they were healed and they were healed of their diseases and they were healed of, of their evil spirits just by an apron, right? Or a cloth touching the skin of Paul. Had nothing to do with Paul, but had everything to do with who was what? Working in and through Paul. And we see this throughout scripture. Whenever there's a work of God, there's someone else trying to make money off of it, right? Or trying to emulate the work of God. Let me tell you, the work of God cannot be emulated. It cannot be duplicated because there's only one God, right? And we see this throughout our scripture text this morning. There's three verses we're going to look at, but there's some powerful context in our scripture text this morning I want us to see. So let's dive into it. Acts chapter 19, verses 13 through 15. We'll add 16 on later. Verse 13 through 15 says this, a group of Jews was traveling from the town, from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantations, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Siva, a leading priests, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but... Who are you? I know Jesus. I know Paul. But who are you? That's our question this morning. Who are you? What is your identity? You know, identity is a big thing in 2021. It's everything. We have several identities, right? We have a credit identity. We have a financial identity, you know, a DNA identity. That's, that's pretty cool. I'm sure some of you guys I took a DNA test not to find out who the father was. I knew who my father was. I'm not doing the Maury Povich here, right? I took a DNA test to see just exactly what my ancestral traits were and come to find out I was lied to my entire life, you know? I was, I was told I was Indian. I have not one ounce of Indian blood in me whatsoever, right? And my mom swears to this day, well, we've always been told we're part Indian. Well, we're not, mom, because my, I did it and my sister did it and uh, we're not Indian. Either that or she's not my mom, right? One of the two is going to happen. And I know she's my mom, so we're not Indian, right? I mean, come to find out, I, I was told I was Irish and German. I'm more English than Irish and German. You know, I have 2% Congo in me. This white boy has 2% Congo in him, which is pretty impressive when you think about it. My sister does too. It's pretty interesting to see what my identity is through my DNA. And if you haven't tried it, you know, go ahead, do it. It's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. And just to let you know, you may find things that you don't want to know. So just, I, I haven't, but I've had friends who, who, who found half-sisters and all, all kinds of stuff. That's another story for another day, but very interesting. But identity is very important. Ask someone who has had a, uh, uh, their theft in identity, how important it is. This morning, I'm not talking about your DNA. I'm not talking about your finances. I'm not talking about your credit. See, we can go around the room. And you can tell me anything about you, anything at all. It could be something that's truth or it can be completely false. Have you ever done that game? It's an icebreaker they do around and tell me two truths and a lie, you know, and then, of course, you go around the room and see who's telling the truth and who's lying. See, sometimes it's obvious that someone's flat out lying. Other times, it's hard to decipher what is true and what is a lie. And the day, in, in the day that we're living, today's era, it is hard to decipher what is true in life and what is false, what's a, a lie. The only one knows is us and God. 
question this morning is, who is the real you? Who are you? Who am I? It's not who we want to portray. It's not the mask that we wear. That's not who we are. I was told this at a young age by my father. He said, your character is who you are when no one else is around. Your character is who you are when no one else is looking. That's the real you, not the mask that we portray, not something that we parade around. The real us is who we are when nobody else is around. That's our who we are. That's our true identity. We live in a society that's looking for an identity. Bad. They're trying to find it. They're trying to search for it. This morning, I want to ask you, normally I give you some points, but I want to ask you three questions this morning that I hope challenge you in in, in finding who you are. The first question is, who, what is defining you? Who and or what is defining you? See, there's seven sons of Siva. We read about this uh, uh, just a minute ago. They were sons of the leading priests. They apparently, they had jobs as exorcists, right? They would go to town to town and, and do the seances and cast out the uh, 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 evil spirits. But somewhere in Ephesus, they ran into Paul. Or whether it be they witnessed Paul, they heard about Paul, they read about Paul, I don't know. They were somehow in Ephesus, they came across Paul, and they saw what Paul was doing was delivering people of evil spirits in the name of Jesus. They saw it, they witnessed it, they witnessed it and they thought to themselves, we're going to try that. We're going to try what that man Paul did. They wanted to capitalize on Paul's ministry, but when they did, they failed. And the evil spirit said to them, who are you? Who are you? Have you ever asked that question to yourself? Who am I? Who, who, who am I? What is, what is my identity? What's Dennis's identity? I've asked that question numerous occasions. I've asked that question. It's not a bad question. It isn't a bad question. In fact, I think it's a good question. It's a challenging question. But I believe that we live in a culture that asks that question, and you know what it asks that question? A lot. Who are you? What is your identity? Well, we live in a culture that's always looking for an identity. But it's not just the culture of the world. It's bled into the culture of the church. Who we are. What is my identity in God? See, sometimes we paint this picture of the church and the world, and they're two separate things. But in this particular instance, our identity in the world has bled into the identity of the church. See, we as Christians ask that question, and again, it's not a bad question to ask. It's a good question. But when we find, when we never find the answer, or the answer keeps changing or evolving, what we're doing is we're finding our identity in everything else but God. That's when it turns bad, because as a church, as Christians, we are called different than the world, and if we're trying to find our identity just like the world finds their identity, we are no different than the world, correct? Because what happens is we allow something else or someone else to define or influence who we are as Christians. When we do not allow God to define who we are, you know what we're doing? We're opposing God. We are opposing 
God. And what happens is we allow the culture of the world to have an impact on who we are instead of letting God have an impact and form us in his image and in who he wants us to be. See, we live in a time where everything has a label. It does not matter what you're suffering. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You're going through something, there's a label for it. The world will put a label on it in a heartbeat, some kind of phobia, some kind of whatever it may be, right? You're going to have a label put upon it. You're looking for a label? Guess what? There's a label for it. I guarantee you there's a label for it. People are seeking and they're searching for an identity. People want a label to help identify who they are, who they are and why they are who they are. People run to many places to help find identity. Americans sell more self-help books than the rest of the world. They're looking for what? Identity. They're looking for identity. Americans are constantly trying to change themselves into something they think other people will want or other people will accept. Go to a bookstore. You see it. How to do this. How to become rich. How to become famous. How to, do, how to change your image. How to lose weight. How to finances. How, how this. How that. Right? Again, not all bad, but what it is is we're constantly looking for an identity. And guess what? We never find it or we find it for a short term and then we move something else because that really wasn't your identity. Your identity is in Christ. You see, we think and we say things like this. If I lose a few pounds, then maybe I'll be accepted into this group. Or, or, you know, you hear the word body shaming, right? Uh, uh, plastic surgery is at an all-time high. You know, if I have a better nose or better chest or better cheeks, and I'm talking about cheeks right here, not cheeks back there, right? Uh, you know, or cheeks back there. It could be both, right? If I, if I just do this or that, whatever it may be, then I will be accepted. We're trying to find identity in our body and acceptance in the world around us, right? If I have a different spouse or a different boyfriend or a different girlfriend or a different job or a different car or a different house, you see, the list does not stop. It keeps going and going and going. And the issue is you will never find true identity because you're always for certain for more and more and more, and we're going after everything else other than the one that we need to go after, which is God. Amen? It's a never-ending loop, never stops, and that's why it's important for us as Christians to be aware of what is defining you, what is defining us as a church, as Christians, as people who have godly character. You see, Paul knew how important this was. He wrote it to the Romans in 12.2. He says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. What's the pattern of the world is to continue searching for identity, right? He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The pattern of this world is to keep searching and get better and do this differently and do it a new way and find another identity. But that's not the pattern of who God is. That's not the identity in who God is. What we're doing is we're trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? Trying to keep up with the latest trends or the latest styles, and we're always trying to search something and not find contentment who God is in our lives. What we're doing is we're allowing someone or something else to have a direct impact and influence on who we are. You know, companies spend millions upon millions of dollars impacting your identity, and a, and, and a lot of times, we don't even notice it. 
millions of dollars in analytics and different things to target you and what they want for your life and, and having an impact on who you are. You know, ever, ever looked at something? I bought one of those chirp wheels. I'm not sure. I was talking to Mike about this last, uh, last week during the fireworks stand. It's a little wheel that you lay on and it cracks your back. And I ordered it, I think, Monday, got it Wednesday or Thursday. It's, you know, pretty cool. You just got to keep your balance on it. But guess what I see all around my timeline and email? It's a chirp wheel now. It's a chirp here and a chirp there. Yeah, I bought one, right? But how many times when we Google something, next thing you know, it's bombarded in your inboxes. You're getting text messages. It's on your Facebook. It's on your Yahoo, you know, ads on the side. It's on Fox News or ABC.com. When you go on ABC.com, it's on there, right? They target you to have an influence and an impact in your life and they, and they do. They change the way we, we live. They change our identity, if allowed. If you let them. Look what Paul writes to the Galatians. See, Paul, Paul's a bright man. Galatians 1.10, he says to the Galatians, obviously, he says, right? I mean, just real. He goes, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servants. Paul's goal was to win approval of man. He would be a servant of man, not a servant of God. Paul knew what was up. That's what our culture uh, today is all about, people trying to win the approval of other people. This is big in our younger generation, huge in our younger generation. Huge. Your younger generation, and even some of my generation, and even some of the older generation, has, has, has gotten to this, this, this desperate desperation to find their identity, that, that, that they would, would rather be known by a disorder or a condition or make a fool of themselves than never to be known. Why? Because they're trying to find an, an, an identity. See, the, today's trends is how many views can I have? How many likes can I get? How many shares can I get? And you know what? When it's, when it's not enough, and I'll guarantee you, it never will be enough because it becomes a drug, and it, your body creates dopamines from it, and you get some kind of pleasure from it, so it will never be enough. You will constantly look for the next and the next and the next because, again, it's a drug. It's a drug. We're finding our identity, and it packs who we are. And there's kids that, you know, committing suicide because they didn't get enough likes or enough shares or enough positive reinforcement, or they got, what they got was negative reinforcement. And there's people and young adults, and I say kids, and I'm talking about teenagers all the way up into the 30s, right? I found out I'm a millennial, broke my heart. I'm a millennial, right? <laughs> I'm a millennial, but there's millennials, that are going through these things and they're, they're having issues because they're trying to find their identity and what others think about them instead of what God of the universe thinks about them. What I find interesting is, is, is this. I made the same mistake as this. We are more apt to receive the word of man than we are to receive the word of God. You know, at New Life Community Church, if you've been here for any time, you know what we quote once in a great while is who we are in what? Who we are in Christ. But how many times do we repeat who we are in man before we repeat who we are in Christ? How many times do we repeat who man has said about us than the God who said about us, right? 
I've said, I've done that before. I've made that mistake where I've quoted what man has said about me instead of what God has said about me. Let me tell you, we don't have the ability or capability to make our lives perfect. You don't. You don't. I don't. We don't have the ability, capability to make our lives perfect, so stop it. Stop it. Stop it. We got to stop it. Because let me tell you this, because if we did, then Jesus could have stayed in heaven. He didn't have to come down because we could have made our life perfect. We could have found our own identity. We didn't need Christ to die on the cross, but we did need Christ to die on the cross because we can't find our own identity. I can't find my own identity without Jesus Christ in my life, right? I can't find my own identity. Jesus needed to come from heaven down to the cross because it was necessary for me to find who I am and who he is. It was necessary because we don't know who we are, let alone what we're supposed to be. To find who you are, it starts with finding who the creator of you is. And that's Jesus. We need to let the potter define who the clay is, not the clay define who the potter is. We're walking around like pots, asking other pots how to become a better pot. Come on. Can we do that? Right? We do that. We can't do that. We got to let the potter tell the pot how it's supposed to be. We can't teach somebody else when somebody else is trying to figure out who they can be, right? There's one source, and that's the creator of heaven and earth is Jesus Christ. But we walk around as pots saying, hey, hey, pot, how work work for you? Will this work for me in my life? You should try that pot. And the other pot goes, okay, great. I'll try that too. Wait, no, no, it was meant for him or her, not for you. Go to the potter. Go to the father. That's who our identity is in. But we walk around like, you know, just clanking pots, you know? I mean, we did that when we were three or four. Alec probably did a little longer because he plays the drums. But, you know, it's just one of those things, right? We all played, you know, the, you know, the drums and the pots, right? But we don't go from a pot to a pot. We go to the potter. That's where it starts out. That's who needs to be our number one influence in your life. You know, it amazes me now more than ever we have, that Hollywood needs to speak up and do I can care less what Hollywood has to say. I love my Los Angeles Lakers, but I can care less what LeBron James has to say. I can care less about who has to say what because I follow one person, and that is Jesus Christ. That's who I want to emulate my life after. I don't need Hollywood to tell me. I'm going to get in trouble on Facebook. I don't need Hollywood to tell me what's going to happen in my life because I don't want them to have an impact on my life. My impact comes from one man, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen? That's who it has to be. Amen? question this morning is, who or what is defining you? Second one is, who or what is your identity in? Who or what is your identity in? These seven sons of Siva had their identity in their father. Verse 14 says, seven sons of Siva, who was a leading priest, were doing this, Right? They're associated with their father. It's by the exact same statement that we identify the child with their parents, right? We identify their, the children with the parents. 
We see this throughout scripture, right? Jesus, he was known as what? The carpenter's son, right? He was associated with his parents. These seven sons of, 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 of Siva uh, uh, tried to find their own identity by stealing Paul's identity. Notice the command that, that they gave. They said in the name of Jesus, right, which was 100% correct. If they stopped it there, maybe the, maybe the evil spirits. I say maybe because I'll get to a reason why in a minute. But they were 100% right when they were using the name of Jesus because there's power in the name of Jesus. However, they also said in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. In the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. You know what their identity was in? Not in Jesus. It wasn't in Jesus. This was second knowledge to them because it was in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. It's like saying in the name of Jesus, that guy Paul, whatever he said about Jesus, I'm going to proclaim it. I don't know what it was, and I don't have a relationship with him, but it sounded good, and it worked for him, so it's going to work for me as well, right? No, it's not going to work because they had no identity in Christ. They could not use the name of Jesus because they did not know who. They did not know Jesus. These men, if they had an identity in Christ, could have delivered the evil spirits if they had an identity in Christ. They could have done what Paul did if they had an identity in Christ. This was not a unique experience for Paul right? It was unique to Paul because he had what? An identity in Christ. These seven sons did not have an identity in Christ. Paul knew it. The seven sons did not know Jesus. Romans 8, 11 says, and if the spirit of him, Paul again writes to the Romans, who raised Jesus from the dead as living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. The spirit that rose Jesus from the grave resides in us when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, but it did not live in these seven men. Why? Because they did not have identity in Christ Jesus. The Bible's truth. If they wanted the power Paul had, they'd have to go after Jesus like Paul did, right? Had to find their own identity. The difference was they did not have an identity in Christ. Their identity was relating it to Paul. They had an identity in their, their father as a, as, as, as a high priest they did not have an identity in the Father. These men did not have an identity. They were trying to find an identity. They were trying to copy. Let me tell you, we need to discover Jesus for ourselves. You cannot live off of my words alone. You can't live off of someone else's words alone. You can't ride the coattails of your parents' religion. You just can't do it. You've got to experience Jesus for yourself. It's a personal relationship. We don't live in a religion. We live in a, in a relationship. We have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to discover our own identity in Christ. I'll say about this this week, 2 Corinthians, not on, on the overhead. 2 Corinthians 5.17, which is our scripture for our church, says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, the new creation has gone, the old has gone, the new is here. Therefore, if anyone is what? 
in Christ. Finding your identity where? In Christ. So when we are in Christ, that we become a new creation. Who, what is your identity in? Is your identity in Christ or is it in your job? Right? My identity is not in my job. That's what I do from 7.30 to 5. That's what I do. That's not my identity. My identity is not in the car I drive. I don't care if you $400,000 Rolls Royce or a 1950 Honda Civic. I know they didn't make Civics back then, but it doesn't matter, right? The old beater car, right? It doesn't matter. Datsun, right? It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what house you kind of live in. It doesn't matter what clothes you wear. It doesn't matter your money or your social status. I don't care if you have one follower, no followers, or 10 million followers. It does not matter. Your identity is not in those things. Your identity is in what? In Christ. Who, what is your identity in? The last one. Stay with me on this one. Going back to 15, it says, but one time, right? One time, all it takes is one time. One time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Can you imagine that? These guys come up, say, I'm going to go cast out this evil spirit. In the name of Jesus, by Paul preaches, and the evil spirit goes, huh? Right? I know Jesus. I know Paul, but what in the world are you doing, right? What in the world are you doing? The third one is, does the enemy know your name? Does the enemy know your name? See, after we allow God to define who we are and we find an identity in him, then it's time to allow God to shine through us. It's time to make some people mad. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about spirits. When seven men tried to use the name of Jesus, who Paul preached about, right? They didn't use the name of Jesus. They used the name of Jesus, who Paul preached about, meaning I have no clue who this Jesus is. I just heard Paul say it. And the evil spirit said, uh, who, who are you? You know why they said, who are you? Because they had no, stand, no, no ground to stand on. Because they were no threat to the evil spirit at all. They knew Paul. They knew Jesus. They didn't know who these men were. Question this morning is, does the enemy know your name? Does the enemy know your name? I'm going to get real personal here. Does the enemy know your name? And before we say yes, think about it for a minute. Because sometimes we screw our own life up. All on our own. And then we think about it sometimes, and we say, the enemy knows our name. No, the enemy doesn't know your name because you're not a threat. We get ourselves in some messed up, jacked up situations. I've done it. You've done it. Let's be real. We've all done it. Not because the enemy attacked us, because we decided to live in sin. Let's be real. Let's call it for, for what it is. We start dabbling a little bit in sin here, and the next thing we know, we have a full-on outbreak. Where did that come from? It came from the little dabbling of sin, right? It starts with just one thing. Look at the coronavirus, right? It starts with one person and spreads the whole wide world. Exactly how sin works. It's an outbreak. It causes an, an outbreak in our life. You play with fire, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get burned. You're going to get burned. When we decide to live in sin and do something stupid in our lives, 
and we walk around and we give. You know, we give Satan. He, he is the most complimented person in the world. Because we say, oh, man, the devil, man, he did this and he did that. No, no, he did not do it. You did it. Let's be real, right? We say it all the time. He compliment him. Oh, he did this. And I'm such a threat to the enemy. No, you're not, right? You went to go sin, willfully sin, right? We give credit to Satan for something we have done. He did. No, no, Satan. Satan did. No, 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 we did it. Let me tell you this. What happens is we lost our identity, church. We lost who we are in Christ. We lost it, and we're no longer, we're no longer a threat to Satan. James 2.19 says, you believe that there is one God. And James says, good. Exclamation mark. I love exclamation marks in the Bible. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. It has nothing to do with believing. It has to do with living. Amen? Demons believe that there is a God, but demons don't live like there's a God. They shudder. They know. It's not about believing. It's about living. You are not a threat. Let me tell you this. You are not a threat when you stay in a locker room of life. You are not a threat when you, unless you get onto the floor and you get into the game. There's a lot of Christians sitting in the locker room because their identity is not in Christ. They're not in Christ. When you're not in the game, you're no longer a threat. A few weeks ago, my son was playing basketball, and he fouls out, and the, the excitement of the coach was like, woohoo! And then he realized there was two minutes left. He was still biting down by 15. They were still going to lose the game. But... He was excited because the threat was gone. The threat was out of the game. Let me tell you, we got to get into the game to be a threat. We can't be sitting in the locker room because at that point, Satan's like, I don't have to worry about you. Stay in your corner. You're no threat to me. I'm good. Continue sinning. Continue living the way that you've been living because you're not a threat to me. And he loves it because there's one less person he has to worry about. Or we're too busy as Christians, distracted by sin, to become any kind of threat to God, to, to Satan. Instead of, of going there, check this out, instead of going there to deliver a person from evil spirits, these men got a butt whooping. Verse 15, uh, 16 says, Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. They literally got a butt whooping. They were naked and battered. Think about that. Naked and battered. Think about this. Seven men came in there, tried to deliver an evil spirit in the name of Jesus by Paul, right? By the words of Paul. And this one evil spirit took them all out. The outcome they expected, they did not receive that day. They weren't expecting to get a butt whooping. They were expecting to whoop some butt, right? This one man beat up the seven sons. And you know why it was? Because they had no identity in Christ. Because they had no authority in Christ. See, we get into some spiritual warfare. And we say, well, this is some spiritual warfare. But what have we done to prepare for the warfare? 
And then we wonder why we get our butts warped. And we're like, well, God, you, you're, you're the victor. Why, why am I not winning this battle? And the problem is because we've never prepared for that battle. We get to the battlefield and we get our butts whooped. We can't show up to the battlefield. We can't show up to the game without actually uh, uh, getting some practice in. You're going to get your butts whooped. Every battle we see throughout the Bible, there was preparation for the battle before they got into battle. Your preparation is this, is finding your identity in Christ. What's your identity in Christ? Who are you? It's a week. We have to examine what's influencing us. What's defining who we are? What's having an impact in our life? What's drawing us closer to God or further away from God? Examine who your identity is in. Is it in your job? If it is, your job's going to perish one day. If it's in your car, your car is going to get an accident or break down one day. If it's in a house, there's fires, all kinds of things. There's only one place your identity needs to be in, and that's Jesus Christ. That's it. And lastly, live in your life in such a way that represents God to the greatest extent in your life. Let me tell you, you know, we always talk about haters in 2021, right? They're hating on me. I want the enemy to hate on me. Because that means I'm doing something right. Not by my own stupidity, but walking in the ways in a threat to who Satan is. That's what I want to do, right? I want the heads to roll. I, 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 you know what? I, I'm saying this right now, and I, I come against different spiritual warfare all the time. But let me tell you this. I want to make sure that I'm constantly in spiritual warfare, not from my own stupidity, but because I'm walking right and I'm an enemy to Satan. Amen? Let me tell you, Satan is not uh, 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 omniscient. He's not everywhere, omnipresent, right? He's not everywhere. He's not in everything. But you know what is? My God is, right? He, he is everywhere. He is everything to me. And my word says, whoever is in me, which is the spirit of God, is greater than anybody I will ever face, right? But it comes down to finding identity and who Christ is in your life. Amen? Stand with me this morning as we close in prayer. Let me tell you, there's a lot of things out there that want to impact who you are. Let's repeat who we are in Christ, amen? I'm a child of God, right? I am the head, I am not the tail. I am the apple in his eye, Right? I'm walking in health physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, right? I'm an ear of Christ Jesus. Listen, I may have nothing coming physically to me, financially to me, right? But I got my God. I'm an heir of Jesus Christ. That's who I am. That's where my identity rests in. Amen? I don't need to search for anything. I don't need to continue trying to fill a, a, a donut hole in my life because I just need to go after God more. 
Heavenly Father, I come before you today, Lord Jesus, and I thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord, that we have identity in who you are, Lord. Lord, we need to identify with man, Lord, but we can identify with the creator of, of heaven and earth and of men. And I thank you for that, Lord. I ask you, Lord Jesus, that we really get to know you this week in a deeper, Lord, more meaningful way, Lord, that we find our identity, that we stop searching from place to place to fill a need or a want, Lord, that we stop it all, Lord, that when we feel a need or a want or a lacking, that we go into your word, that we spend time in worship, Lord, that we spend time in prayer, Heavenly Father. I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you start speaking to us, Heavenly Father, in our intimate areas, Lord, that we need more and more of you, Heavenly Father. Lord, when we feel that there's a lacking, Lord, Lord, that you will show up in the spot, Lord, and you will fill our needs, Heavenly Father. I pray, Heavenly Father, that when we are trying to, to, to do self-help, Lord, a self-fix, Lord, that we don't ask, Lord, another pot, but we come before the potter, and we ask that you mold us, Lord, how you want us to be, Lord, what you want us to look like, Heavenly Father, what you want us to say, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. Lord, allow our identity to rest in who you are and nothing else. Lord, if you need to shift us Sift us, change us, pluck us, mold us, shape us, squish us, stretch us. It doesn't matter, Lord. I ask you right now in the name of Jesus, Heavenly Father, and the Jesus that I know of, Heavenly Father. I'm not speaking on, on second person terms. I'm speaking in first person terms. And the Jesus that we know, Heavenly Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you do what you need to do. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord. I ask you, Lord, as we leave this place, Heavenly Father, allow us to, work, to, to, to continue in an attitude of worship, Lord. Continue just meditating on your word, Lord, this week. Bring us back next week for another awesome time in, in the word with you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church says, amen, amen. God bless you, church. If you need prayer, come on up. If you need prayer online, text us, give us a call.